Hey guys, thanks for listening to Canadian Cannabis Update. We're a Canadian-based podcast that gives leaders and organizations an opportunity to tell their stories and share information. This podcast is part of the Cannabis Media Collective. To enjoy all of the podcasts within the collective, just go to your favorite app and subscribe to the Cannabis Media Collective. For more info, check out distinctmedia.ca. Hey guys, happy 2019. One of the most commonly requested guests that I had last year was today's guest. Allison McMahon is the CEO of a company called Cannabis at Work. They're a recruiting and consulting firm and have quickly established themselves as one of the front runners in the world of cannabis-related HR. This was recorded just days before Christmas, but I hung on to it until now so that I'd have something special to publish for my first podcast of 2019 and the first podcast in the Cannabis Media Collective. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Allison. Thank you. Start off real quickly. Tell me, who is Allison McMahon? Yeah, I'm a girl from Edmonton, grew up in Edmonton, Alberta, um, always had a uh, interest in, in business and a career in human resources. Uh, a few years ago, you know, kind of saw cannabis coming, and I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about that. Mm. And I've been um, really excited to to build cannabis at work in this space. But, you know, outside of that, um, someone who really avid about the outdoors. In the winter, I try to snowboard as much as possible. In the summer, we have a, a cabin in the foothills in Alberta and try to get out there and spend some time outside, do some fly fishing with my husband, nice. our dog. So yeah, it's a little about me. Fly fishing and snowboarding. So you're kind of mm. an outdoors person. I really am, yeah. Okay. Um, how did you start this company? Can you kind of walk me through the process? Yeah, for sure. So my background was in human resources in, in my career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had an HR consulting practice and an HR technology company, uh, more on the <coughs> entrepreneurial side prior to Cannabis at Work. And so 2015, like summer of 2015, started to just see a lot more documentaries and a lot more news about cannabis legalization. At that time, it was a lot of what was happening in the U.S., but obviously Trudeau was campaigning on the platform of um, legalizing cannabis. So it piqued my interest both from a business perspective, like, you know, looking ahead to see that that was likely going to be a large business opportunity, but also somebody who had had a you know, recreational uh, relationship with cannabis earlier in life, like more when I was a teenager um, and had kind of grown out of using cannabis is is kind of how I say it. Um, But now like getting exposed to just all of the, even if it's anecdotal, all of the, you know, medical evidence of of people who were using cannabis, you know, very successfully. Um, And even the pediatric patients, you know, around Dravet syndrome and some of those things, you know, once I think for me, once, once I saw that I couldn't unsee it. And, um, you know, I think it just really piqued my interest around how the conversation had evolved to be more sophisticated around cannabis, obviously, and, and this, the big business opportunity, those things combined, I was really, really curious about how I could apply my skill set to the space. Right. So a little bit of right place at the right time too, I suppose. Yeah, for sure. Um, You were doing HR, you said, but were you actively uh, recruiting in different spaces as well? Yeah, so I've uh, one of my very first jobs ever in human resources was as a recruiter okay. uh, at a staffing agency, and then my career is often in a generalist role, meaning I would do you know a little bit of everything in the employee life cycle, including recruiting. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely, you know, a skill set and a business model I was familiar with. Okay, so um, someone like myself, when I see cannabis at work, I think of it as a recruiting firm, but you have many streams of service. So, how would you define the company as a whole? 
Yeah, our biggest service line is recruitment. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I guess if you pull up to you know a, a more thirty-five thousand um, foot view, it's a human resources company. I mean, we we do recruitment. We have some training offerings. We also do some HR consulting to support organizations as well. Mm-hmm. But recruitment and that connecting people um, into the space with the right employer is really our main focus. Okay. Did you have any professional involvement in the cannabis space before Cannabis Networks? I did not. No. Um, you know, and, and on the training side of the conversation, I mean, where we where I really entered the, the market with Cannabis at Work and where we got our foothold was initially our main service line was around educating employers outside of cannabis, often safety sensitive mm. employers about cannabis legalization and around what that meant in terms of managing an employee that might have a medical authorization, what was going to change with recreational legalization, if anything, and, you know, a lot of work around updating drug alcohol policy and procedure. So that was our entry point. Okay. Um, and there wasn't really anyone talking about that from an HR perspective mm-hmm. um, when I started to do that in 2015. Um, and the other piece to that was prior to the Cannabis Act being tabled in April 2017, there wasn't the growth in the industry that we see today. Like there were licenses being given out to licensed producers, but there was only about 30, 35 licenses. Um, and the industry didn't really need a recruitment company at that point. Okay. Um, and then once the Cannabis Act was tabled, um, what we, what I saw happen was the industry really immediately start to ramp up to what was going to be inevitable legalization. Okay. And so that's when we launched our recruitment services was in the late spring of 2017. Okay. Okay, so I mean, cannabis at work uh, in its infancy, I guess, started around 2015, like you said, and it, those were yep. early days for cannabis. Um, so you had to get up to speed with the legal cannabis framework. What were the different ways that you were able to do that back then? Yeah, so at that time, um, when I first started, it was the MMPR, so that was the Marijuana for Medical Purposes regulations, the, mm-hmm. the regulation, medical <clears throat> regulations at the time, which evolved in 2016 to the Access to Cannabis for Medical Purposes regulations, okay. um, and which, and I'm kind of explaining this for your listeners if they do not know, but then that's been replaced by the Cannabis Act, which came into effect on October 17th. Mm-hmm. So um, initially, I mean, I, I frankly just kind of geeked out on on um, <laughs> the the bit of case law that did exist at the time around uh, medical marijuana use in the workplace right. and what the arbitration and court decisions were saying, and then just paired that with researching what I needed to know about um, the MMPR at the time to you know create some dialogue and, and put my own kind of HR-based opinions on the table about um, what was happening. So, I mean, I, that was partly just my interest kind of as an HR professional and someone who like regularly likes to geek out on employment law. Yeah. Um, it was just, you know, a point of interest for me initially. And so, I mean, that really just then snowballed where um, in order to stay abreast of, of what was going on and continue to be able to educate employers, I needed to just continue to immerse myself um, in the regulations and all of those regulatory changes. Did you find it a bit overwhelming at first, especially if you hadn't been involved and everything was very new to you as well? Did you look at it like it was a mountain you had to climb? You know, I think I really started where I had this kind of unique perspective and unique unique skill set and and a real strong interest. Um, So I don't remember it being particularly overwhelming. But I mean, I I think in general, the regulatory framework about uh, around cannabis in Canada, you know, it's... um, 
it's so new for everyone that there continues to be a lot of, I think, um, uncertainty around how we are actually applying it, especially Mm -hmm. around things like the marketing prohibitions. And so I think that that's, you know, today still quite overwhelming for everybody. Yeah, no doubt. Okay. When people find out who you are and what you do, um, Mm -hmm. what is the most common question that they ask you? Mm -hmm. How do I find a job? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's a pretty straightforward one. You know, what do I have to do to kind of get into this industry? Um, I, I think that people are really excited about the possibility of transitioning their careers into cannabis. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you've probably heard these types of terms before, but I mean, I think this is kind of the gold rush of our generation in a right. lot of ways, the, the green rush that is. And uh, people, even if they've had successful careers in other sectors, I think in some cases, a lot of other sectors, even though they're still having success, they're you're kind of stagnant, stagnant in certain ways. So mm-hmm. um, people wanting to know, know what they can do to get into the industry, wanting to know if salaries are comparable in the industry. Um, And even the flip side of that is, would it be career suicide for me to step into this industry if I ever wanted to go back to my old sector? So those are some of the common ones. Um, Now, don't get yourself in trouble here, but can you talk about some of your clients you're currently working with? Yeah, for sure. So, uh, I mean, for us, we'll really work with anybody that as long as they're a cannabis company. And so, I mean, that that means we work with a lot of licensed producers. We work with retailers and other ancillary businesses. So, um, you know, some of the large licensed producers like Medrelief and CanTrust, um, Sundial, 48 North, well, we've worked with in the past. Um, and then a lot of licensed producer mm. or, you know, now I guess, um, you know, licensed cultivator, licensed processing um, organizations that are at the application stage because right. they often still need staff early in the process. So a lot of those would, wouldn't be names that anyone would, would recognize because okay. they're such new organizations. Mm. Um, on the retail side, um, we were one of four companies last almost last year around this time, um, like late 2017, that were awarded a contract with the Ontario Cannabis Retail Corporation. Um, and so that framework has obviously changed in Ontario away from kind of the public model to what's now going to be more of a private model. Okay. But we hired um, a number of people into that organization, um, as well as work with other retailers, typically um, at more of a senior management and or store manager level. Mm. Um, and then other ancillary businesses, um, you know, extraction companies, labs. Um, so really, as long as they're cannabis focused, uh, we're happy to help. Okay. And you kind of answered this already, but I was going to say trades or managers, like what level of seniority and type of positions generally do you recruit for? Yeah. So for us, our sweet spot is really professional, technical and above. Okay. So, um, you know, we've placed a CEO, CFO, lots of um, director level positions. You know, a lot of the work we've done has been within the licensed producer environment. So we've done a lot of quality assurance people, master growers, director of production, um, extraction specialists, like that kind of science-y kind of professional technical level and then management and above. Um, so we've obviously worked on you know roles outside of that as well, but that's really our sweet spot. So I, I guess a lot of your candidates really don't come from a cannabis background. So where do you tend to source your candidates for this industry from? Yeah, so we see a lot of folks coming over from um, pharmaceutical production, um, especially on the quality assurance side, because there's some really, uh, you know, very, very transferable skill sets from quality assurance 
Okay. In, in pharma to uh, cannabis. Um, food production is another area where we bring a lot of people over. Um, if we're talking more on the growing side, you know, we're looking for folks that have grown plants at scale in some other environment, whether that's produce or flowers or things like that. Um, you know, if we're talking about, you know, retail, you know, obviously there's a lot of different, you know, people with different retail backgrounds, merchandising, um, and then, you know, I, I think the cannabis cultivation roles and the growing roles still mm-hmm. tend to be some of the tougher roles to fill. And, right. and this depends on the client. Some of our clients don't want any cannabis experience and some very much want it. Okay. Um, that's just based on the culture and, and their own training procedures. But, um, you know, if we're looking for, for a person who's got growing experience, they, who actually has experience growing cannabis mm-hmm. under the regulatory framework, there's only so many people that have actually held those roles in oh, Canada. I'm sure. So um, I, that still tends to be a harder to fill role from my perspective. Um, but yeah, that's some examples. Okay, and I guess you you could say there is technically a lack of candidates in certain areas. Then, yeah, you know, like I think the cultivation example I just gave, like if a client yeah. specifically wants somebody who has grown cannabis, like under the ACMPR and now the Cannabis Act, um, that's only that pool of candidates is only so big. So yeah. that that can be a more challenging uh, role to fill potentially. Like we could go to market and find a few people or, or we might go to market and, and have to spend a bit more time there. Um, but, you know, in general, I think we have the workforce we need in Canada mm-hmm. to fill these roles. I know there's been some media recently about kind of shortage of work in the, in the industry. I don't I don't really see that for the most part, you know, we have a shortage of skills in Canada to fill these roles. What I see happening mm-hmm. is that these organizations are on these crazy hiring sprees. Like some of these licensed producers are literally hiring like hundreds of people. Wow. And that activity alone, I think is what the challenge is. Like to actually be able to hire like that volume of people and bring them into the organization and integrate them quickly to actually help you get to scale is a very challenging process. So in my mind, it's the challenge lies more in that exercise than in act like in not that we have a shortage of skills in Canada. Right. Okay. Let's change gears a little bit here and talk about some of the consulting work that you guys do as well. Um, What are you finding are some of the unique ways uh, in which employers are now dealing with cannabis in the workplace now that it's been legalized? Yeah, um, you know, I I don't know if there's so much unique ways. I mean, I, I think that employers, and I'm talking about employers even outside of cannabis sector, although obviously these rules would still apply um, to LPs and that kind of thing. But I mean, I think that employers have just realized that cannabis is a thing that they're going to have to manage, whether that's on you know the medical side, which affords people with a medical author- authorization. Mm-hmm human rights protection, which means an employer can't just fire somebody for having a medical cannabis authorization. They do have to go through a process of understanding if and how they can accommodate that person. Mm -hmm. Um, And accommodation does not mean they have to allow somebody to be impaired at work, but it means that they do have to um, try to find a way to adjust their working relationship so that person can still have meaningful employment um, and and can consume cannabis. Um, A lot of that is based in education around what cannabis even is, the difference between THC and CBD and that people who are, just because they're consuming cannabis in their life doesn't mean that they're constantly impaired. Mm. 
and and so I mean so there's a lot on the medical side in order in in terms of um, employers understanding some of those nuances, but then also understanding their responsibilities around managing it so they don't get their, themselves in a position where they have a human rights claim. Yeah. Um, and on the recreational side, I mean I think that you know in Obviously, we can't um, test for cannabis in the way that we can test for alcohol. Um, right, right. It's not that the testing side isn't as black and white, but otherwise, it's it's largely the same as managing alcohol in the workplace, where you're not allowed to bring a two six of you know vodka to work and put it on yeah, your desk, and yeah. so you shouldn't be bringing cannabis to work. And um, so, I mean, I think leading up to legalization, you know, it was a very hot topic for employers and for HR practitioners across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of them put a lot of effort into updating drug and alcohol policy and getting some clarity um, on that. Um, And I think that now that legalization has happened, we're seeing that conversation quiet down a bit, which was my expectation. Right. Um, As employers realize that, you know, the sky hasn't fallen with legalization and not Mm. all their employees are showing up high. Yeah, and I agree with you there. I think that although a lot of people don't like to compare cannabis to alcohol, I think if you can't have a beer on your lunch hour, you shouldn't be able to consume cannabis. Right. You know, same rule should really apply, I I would think. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your website has training courses. Can you speak Mm -hmm. to those? Yeah, for sure. So we had developed a number of training courses around this topic of kind of this workplace impairment and cannabis mm-hmm. conversation. So we have a, a few uh, courses more focused around that conversation, which have uh, typically had a more of an HR workplace audience, as well as some uh, more safety related courses. Mm-hmm. And then we've we've been developing right now, we have three uh, courses. They're run under an hour each. They're about $50 a piece. Okay. And they're intended to be kind of introductory courses to cannabis that candidates could take um, to help them get a leg up as they look towards cannabis as somewhere they want to move their career. So we have an introduction to cannabis as a plant and a product, an art of bed tending course, and okay. uh, a cannabis industry orientation. And so they're intended to be, like I said, a a really approachable, affordable way for candidates to build their knowledge base, um, be more successful in, in, in an interview, have a certificate of completion they can put on a resume and just give them a step up when, you know, looking at a role in this sector. Nice. Are those courses developed uh, in-house or do you work with another organization to develop them? Yeah, so for those ones, we actually developed them in-house. Um, we did a scan of the the training in the market when we built those last year. And mm-hmm. a lot of the, the courses we found were out of the U.S. and they just weren't applicable. Like there was certain sections that where we could have transferred the content over, but just the regulatory environment in Canada is very different than the U.S. So okay. um, we really found that we needed to kind of build those in-house, which we've done for those, those three. Okay. Um, and so, you know, whether it's our training or... Uh, you know, other training that somebody takes, Mm -hmm. uh, it's my opinion and our opinion that that still at this point does set candidates apart Mm -hmm. um, in terms of having that type of um, coursework on their resume, because it really does show that somebody has been proactive about, you know, educating themselves around the sector um, and proactive about taking those steps to move their career over. Okay, now pull out your crystal ball and look into mm-hmm. it and tell me what you think will happen in 2019 in terms of professional opportunities in the cannabis space. Yes. So I believe that we will continue to see a lot of growth within the licensed producers. Like, you know, right now as we're you know talking, we're facing these supply shortages in Canada um, around cannabis. And so I really think that there's going to continue to be a 
a lot of growth, a lot of job opportunity within the licensed producers because cultivation is really the core of this industry. Um, and, and frankly, we haven't you know entirely figured that out yet. Like I, as a country with all the licensed producers, we're not actually producing cannabis like at scale yet. Okay. Um, so I think there'll be continue to be. <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of roles there. I think what we're going to see is a shift also towards uh, a lot of jobs that are going to be reflective of um, the new regulations around edibles and concentrates. Right. So I think we're going to see a lot more jobs around extraction and processing, around product development and formulations, um, you know, uh, science-based roles, again, you know, extraction specialists, chemical engineers, things like that. Okay. Um, and and then we're also at the point where with under the Cannabis Act, we now have people applying for cultivation and microcultivation licenses, processing, mm-hmm. um, those kind of things. And I think we'll continue to see roles emerge with some of those startup organizations who are putting their licenses in. Nice. Now, not to get ahead of ourselves here, but do you anticipate Cannabis at Work potentially recruiting within the cannabis space globally in the future? Uh, I do. Yeah. So we actually um, recently got our first international client out of Australia. Um, And so what we're doing with them initially is helping them build out uh, essentially a staffing plan. So they're going to be, they're basically a licensed producer applicant in Australia. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we're leveraging our experience here in Canada to help them build out a framework around organizational charts, job descriptions, um, and really build up that plan. And then with the goal of helping them identify some talent, likely Canadian talent, um, to go help them then, um, you know, start up and operationalize their facility over there. Um, So we've had a few leads coming out of Australia and some other really interesting places like Jamaica and Denmark. And these are countries that are looking at Canadian talent right, of course. in terms of helping them, you know, get their facilities up and running and up to speed and, you know, really looking for people who've worked in that regulatory environment around cannabis previously. Nice. Okay. You can keep this super short. Any points or uh, advice for professionals considering a move into the cannabis space? Um, I think the piece around education that I mentioned before, just Mm -hmm. if if there's an opportunity to get some sort of cannabis um, education, whether that's a $50 course or something different, I do think that makes a difference on a resume. And then I would say just get out there and network, like go to events, go to conferences, um, talk to people, demonstrate your interest. And I think often people uh, kind of underestimate the value of those kind of personal relationships that they can develop. Of course. And then, of course, come talk to us. We'd, we'd love to get to know you. Yeah, fair. Okay, well then, with that being said, how can people find out more about Cannabis at Work? Yeah, for sure. So we're CannabisAtWork.com uh, on the internet. Uh, we're Cannabis at Work on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you can directly message us from our website if you have any specific questions. You can upload a resume directly to our website, which we always recommend as a first step. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, love connecting individuals in this space um, to employers, to other professionals. So I would love to get to know folks. Nice. I didn't mention this before. It's pre-Christmas today, uh, but this will yes. be the first uh, published podcast for me for 2019. So you're number one. Awesome. Look forward to it. <laughs> I've, uh, I would like to be number one. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard you speak uh, a number of times online. I think that you're fantastic and quite knowledgeable, and, and I'm just grateful for the interview. So thank you very much. Thanks so much. <laughs> 
Thanks once again for listening to Canadian Cannabis Update. If you have a story that you'd like to share about the cannabis space, I'd love to hear from you. Hit me up at CanadianCannabisUpdate at gmail.com. And if you want to find out more about Canadian Cannabis Update and all of the other podcasts in the Cannabis Media Collective, check us out at CanMedCall. Let me give it to you another way. That's at C-A-N-N-M-E-D-C-O-L-L. One more time, that's at C-A-N-N-M-E-D-C-O-L-L, just like Cannabis Media Collective. And you can also find out more about us on Facebook, Instagram, and every podcast-related streaming site in the known universe. All right, hit it, Amber. Canadian Cannabis Update is a regularly published podcast. We do our very best to remain as accurate as possible, but take no responsibility for inaccurate details or facts. If a story interests you, we're glad to have brought it to your attention, but take the time to research the details for yourself. 